Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. C.S. Lewis's book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there's this little mouse named Reepcheep. And Reepcheep is sailing along with others. They're sailing eastward. And they're longing for a land, a better land, a land that they are looking to, a land that's known as Aslan's country. Aslan, the great lion who represents Christ in C.S. Lewis's writing. Reepcheep is de- 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 driven to leave the others behind. And, and he's, he's encouraged, right, or, or propelled to keep sailing further east even if he has to do it alone, all the way to the very edge to Aslan's country. Today's passage, we stare a terrible truth in the face. Sin separates. It separates marriages, it separates children and parents, it separates co-workers and bosses and employees. It separates friends. It can even separate church members. But the worst of all is this sin separates us from God and forever home. A place that there's no fear and no danger. There's, praise the Lord, no more sickness. Right? A place of no more death. This is the home that we all long for. A place where the word cancer will never be spoken. There'll be no more disease or broken relationships. No more fear of terrorist attacks or uncertain economies. The temptation with our sin separating from this land is maybe just to block it out, to assume that as Reap Cheap is there, that you just can't ever make it there. That that It sounds great, but it's so far away that it seems like I'll never make it. And maybe you just grow disgruntled or just become bitter about life. Or maybe now that you find that, guess what, If as you think about this distant land and this hope of a better forever, a better never-ending tomorrow, is that maybe you begin to try to scratch and claw everything you can to make it there on your own. As if somehow maybe you'll be good enough that when you arrive at that place of death that God will say, of course, you can come in. Look how good you are. Today's passage confronts us and reminds us that sin separates, but Christ secures heaven's shalom. Today's text from Isaiah 59 and 60 is going to remind us that sin separates, that we are all in that boat with Reap Chief looking forward to a better land, but the sin has separated. It's created a gulf between us and that land. But the good news of Isaiah 59, it declares to us that Christ has come to secure for us the hope of Isaiah 60. Hebrew, or heaven's shalom. I don't know about you, but any of you here enjoy like home makeover shows? Any of you like home makeover people? You enjoy it? Yeah. Right? I mean, you enjoy watching that transformation. But part of the transformation is they have to have before photos, right? Like, I mean, there has to be a realization that things aren't perfect. Like, things aren't ideal. Like, the home they're trying to repair or the one they're considering buying, right? It's it's not the perfect scenario. And so things are in disarray. Things just need work. And, like, they can't go on like they are. And so Isaiah just shares with us today... The before picture in Isaiah 59 saying, listen, guys, here's the truth of how things and the way they are. And now there's going to be this extreme makeover Christ edition that's going to come in and transform everything. But between Isaiah 59 before and the Isaiah 60 after, 
is Christ and the cross, this hope, this hope of a Redeemer who comes and secures for us what we can never secure for ourselves. And so the clarity is this, as Isaiah opens, showing us the before picture is clear. Sin separates. Sin separates. Listen to Isaiah as he begins to share, beginning in verse 1 of Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But, he says, listen to here, here's the truth, right? It's not that God's unable. Listen, here, here's what's happening. But, he says, your iniquities have made something. What are they made? A separation. And here's the hard part. The separation is between you and who? And your God. That's a serious separation. And he says, it's the result of your iniquity, the result of your sins, right, that have brought this on. It separates, right, no matter how we may defi- want to define things today, how our society, society may want to relabel gender or marriage or if life is actually inside the womb or now we're having a conversation, is life even really outside the womb? The truth from God's Word today is this. Sin always separates, no matter how you label it, no matter how you may want to define it. And here's the evidence Isaiah gives to show how sin is separating. Verse 3, notice there he begins with 4. Right, He's trying to make his point to show you how this sin is truly separating. He says to them, For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. Listen to this, Listen to this society, what it's come to. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief. And then listen to this statement. They give birth to iniquity. He's saying, listen, sin just comes natural. And that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Listen to these words as the Apostle Paul writes there. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Who was that one man? Adam, right? Back to Genesis chapter 3. The first, right? If you don't understand Genesis, right? The book of Genesis, the beginnings... So the word Genesis means beginnings. If you don't understand that there was a real Adam and Eve, then you've got a real problem understanding how does sin continue on from this person to the next person, right? It's an idea the Bible or, or, or scholars and theologians define as original sin. Like it's how sin began. Listen to what Paul says, though. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, so as Adam and Eve sin, right? They disobey God. They're in the garden. Take and eat from the tree, right? Rejection of God and his plan. And death through sin. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 5 and 12. So death spread to all people because all sinned. So when we hear right here this giving birth to iniquity, it's a reminder that sin has been passed on to us all. Right? Whether you've had the best parents or the worst of parents, you may not know your parents, or maybe somewhere in between. The truth is, listen, when you were born, you and I were born sinners. The psalmist says, I was surely sinful in my mother's womb. Right, I was conceived in iniquity, he says in other places. So we see here this idea that, listen, we were born sinners, but not only that, look what he says in further in verse 7. Again, you're trying to understand how sin separates. Isaiah is going to show us, verse 7, their feet run to evil. It's not only that we're born sinners, it's actually our natural desire. I don't know about you, but there's just like this amazing phenomenon that happens like around like 18 to 24 months. Kids become like 
rebels, right? I mean, like all of a sudden, like this sweet little boy that like we had, like all of a sudden he's like, he's like a terror. Like, I mean, it's like if you tell him no, it's like ripping a toy away, mine and right. I mean, you put food on the plate they don't like and it's like scraping it off, throwing it in the floor and temper tantrums, right? I mean, like, I mean, some of you guys are tough, but my guess is if you've ever tried to put shoes on like a a 18 month, a 24 month old, is that like not the most like de-masculine masculine thing ever right like as a guy you're like i can't even put shoes on an 18 month old right they're like kicking and fighting right listen it just comes hardwired that's my point like i didn't send my boys off to sin camp to learn how to do that like all of a sudden it just happened no i've got like an important question maybe for some of you is it any different with girls no that is so disheartening worse please don't say that please don't say that that was a female that said that so don't don't for any of you get ready to shoot, shoot arrows it was a lady right but my point is this, we don't have to send our kids off to sin camp. Like, we don't have to teach them how to become rebellious. Listen, it is born in, it's part of our DNA, it's who we are, and our feet are all too willing to participate. It's our nature, and we desire it. As I heard one of the former pastors of this church, Mark Lowe, once share, we are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. It's clear. From Isaiah's words here that sin separates. And so listen to what the word of God says further to them here in verse 9. Therefore, you want to know what the response is? He says, here's what happens when sin becomes taking over of a society, taking over a people, taking over God's, even God's own people. Listen to what he says. Therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. Look, look what happens here. They hope for light and behold darkness and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. They are hoping for all of these things. Listen, but it's, it just seems so far away, right? I mean, like it's just things that they had desired. Hope would come about. But the truth is, listen, all of this stuff is just so far away from them. So what might we do to like obtain these? Like what do we do today if we recognize that sin indeed separates that we're separated from God and we're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. Like, what should we do, Isaiah? Listen to what these people do. Beginning in verse 12. Here's their response. Four, they say. Notice how personal they start to get. Our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. We know our iniquities. What are they doing? Look what they said. Transgressing and denying the Lord. Any of you been denying the Lord? Like this week, you just, you knew God was calling you to do something. And maybe it was to buy a meal for somebody. Maybe it was to stop on the road and pick somebody up. Maybe it was to, I I had one yesterday. Somebody shared with me a prayer request in a restaurant. And I just said, man, I'll be praying for you. And the whole time the spirit was like, pray for him right now, bro. What are you doing? No, God, we're busy. They're busy. I need to go. We're already late to the place we're supposed to be. Do you ever, if you just this week, just deny the Lord, like the Spirit was just leading you to do something, you just denied Him. These folks are doing it. Look further. They've turned back from following our God. Is that true for you? Have you turned back? Maybe some of you, you've you've turned back just from being a part of this fellowship, just being here. Maybe some of you've turned back from your Sunday school class. You you were faithful and apart. Now you you just you've turned back. Some of you were, man, you were you were so faithful in ministry and serving here and or at another church and, and you just you just you've turned back. You just kind of walked away from that. It, it, these people listen. 
here's, here's what's beautiful. They're just being honest and open. They're, they're owning this before God. Like, it's not like, hey, God, like, I mean, like, I'm trying to put up all these reasons. Like, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but. They're, they're not, yeah, but. And they're just saying, God, here it is. It, it, this is it, man. God, you see me. You know me. You're right. Our sin separates us from you. Verse 8 said the way of peace. They don't know. Like, God, we, we, we're just, we just want to own it. And listen, I mean, this, this, let's be honest. I mean, that's, that's like a terrifying thing. Like, isn't it risky, like, to get real with God? And it would be risky unless Christ comes on the cross. Right? Like, I mean, unless Christ comes on the cross and absorbs the judgment of God for the things that you and I have done, that we've turned from Him, we've denied Him, for all the things that we've sought other than Him and His Word and the truth of the Gospel... It says, listen, because Christ comes, and that's where Isaiah is getting ready to go. The sin that separates and the, any, any feeling you may have right now to own up about that secret that's going on in your life, that's controlling you, that you're looking to. Listen, these people are getting honest. And I want you to know, I want you to see this. I want you to hold fast to this because in a moment he's going to refer back to this group of people that have gotten real with him. Some of you need to get real with God today. No more games. No more faking it. Just own up today. Just come clean with Him today. Just come out, as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, that Nick at night moment, right? When He just tells him, come into the light, bro. But He says men and women, they don't come into the light. Why? Because they fear that their evil deeds will be exposed. And they love darkness more than light. And yet there's the author of life speaking to you, saying, I will take your darkness I will take your punishment for your darkness. Sin separates. And listen, maybe you, you, I don't know, any of you ever like get frustrated, like you don't want to like turn on the news or you don't want to flip open, like flip, throw your phone across, the, like your thumb across the screen and see the newest headlines because you're just like, what's it going to be next? Like, I mean, how many people are going to be killed today? Like, what's going to happen? What's the economy? How much worse is it going to be? What's going to be a new trade tariff? Like, what, like, what, like what's next? Like, what's the next terrorist attack? Like, what's just... Like, what's the outbreak going to be today? What's going to happen politically? Like, I mean, economically, have you ever just wondered, like, man, I just don't want to see it? Listen to what happens here. Here's a result of what sin does to a society. Look what it says in verse 14. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares. And uprightness cannot enter. Right? Justice, righteousness, truth, uprightness. These are the things that a, a, a society is established upon. This is what we desperately need. This is what we need in the public squares. But the Word of God says, because of sin, we are stumbling. These things are not there. And notice what God says, verse 15. The Lord sees it, and guess it what? What's it do to Him? It displeases Him. Do you see it, and does it displease you? Or you just become numb to it. God is, is displeased by it. So listen, the first truth that Isaiah, again, the before picture, you're looking at this, this makeover, it's going to happen from Isaiah 59 to 60, but you've got to see the before picture of who you are today. That your sin has separated you from a holy God. It has led to the society and the world in which you know it, in which everything is crumbling. Like, you want justice, you want a righteous place, you want judges you can trust, lawmakers who you can trust, you want the truth, you want uprightness, you want safety, you want peace for your children, you want good schools, you want good... Like, you hope for all of this, but sin has caused it to crumble. And it separated you and I from a holy God. And God's not happy about it. 
But here's the hope of this. Is that sin may separate, and it indeed does. But Christ secures by redeeming us with an eternal covenant. Listen then. Again, sin separates, but Christ secures by bringing about this eternal covenant. Has it slowed down on me, Miss Karen, on the screen? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to be in verse 16 now. Even if it's on the screen, maybe it jumped forward with us. It's okay if it doesn't. Um, listen to what it says, verse 16. God looks and he sees that there's no man, there's no woman. He wondered and, and wondered that there was, look what it says, no one to intercede. There's no one. No man, no woman, right? I mean, he looks like, is there anybody here that could turn the tide? Right? I mean, Iron Man, where are you? Hulk smash, where are you? Captain America, where are you? Thor, where are you? Captain Marvel, where are you? He calls. I hear somebody saying Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Batman, whoever you got, bring them all, Shiva, right? Whoever it is, there's nobody. Why? Because you got to realize, no matter how great your hero may be, they still got sin that they got to pay for themselves. So they can't pay for yours. Do you see it? That's why nobody else can step forward. They got sin of their own life. They got to work through. So that hero, no matter how great they may seem, guess what? They too are sinners. And so they cannot secure for you this eternal redemption, this heavenly shalom. God looks and there's nobody. But then the text begins to rumble. Listen to what it says, beginning of verse 16, this, this slow rumble that starts to, to peel out. Like a thunder that's coming, a storm that's brewing. God's doing something then. Listen to this. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Look further with me. Verse 20. And a redeemer. Isaiah 59 and 20. And a redeemer. We'll come to Zion to those in Jacob. So listen, to this. this is important, right? We talked about it again. We were kind of bracketed that area where they just got real and honest. And you wonder, like, is it dangerous to get real with God? I think it's going to be good news to get real with God today. Just come open and honest. Say, God, here I am. You see me, bro. I, I, I'm, I'm in rough shape, God. Listen, to what he says, here's why. Here's why I want to encourage you to do that. Listen to this. And the Redeemer will come to Zion to. Here's who he comes to. Watch this. To those in Jacob who what? To the, we're going to say it together, all right? To those in Jacob who what? Turn from transgression. That means they repent of their way of life. Doesn't acknowledge that these people are perfect. In fact, these people have just become honest that they're not perfect. In fact, that's the reminder of why we're all in here today is because we all know, or maybe you, you're, hopefully you're coming to know today, that your sin is real and it separates you from a God and there's no hope of ever making it to that country, that forever hope of peace. As, as Nick preached last week of Hebrews chapter 11, unless Christ comes and secures it on your behalf. So this Redeemer comes. right Now, now listen. A redeemer in ancient Israel, you got to understand kind of the background of this, was a member of the family who would shoulder the needs of relatives, okay? And so one example of this, like, would be in Leviticus uh, 25, yeah. Leviticus 25, verses 47 through 49, says that, like, if somebody in your family became so in debt that they would become enslaved, 
that the Redeemer, known as the kinsman Redeemer, He would come in, right, and step in, and He would pay off your debt that you could now be free. Notice what the language is here. A Redeemer will come to Zion. Why? Because they owe a debt they could never pay. And you owe the debt that you could never pay. And I owe a debt I could never pay. And that debt is our sin. For the wages of sin is what? Come on, kiddos. Death, yeah. I know some of our wanna kiddos. I know you've been working through it. I, I'm hearing it at my house. They're, they're working through it. The wages of sin is death. We owe a payment to a holy God. Our sin is serious. It's an eternal offense against, it's eternal rebellion against the holy God. But this Redeemer is coming to us, not or simply in physical slavery like because of financial debt, but we are enslaved because of our sin. And this Redeemer is coming to pay the penalty on our behalf. The payment is His own life. And remember again, it is those who have turned from transgression. They are repenting, turning from sin and turning to Christ that by the power of God's Spirit now living inside of you, you can live a different life. How, how? How does all of this happen? Listen to what he says, verse 21. And as for me, this is, that's what he says, my covenant with them, says the Lord. A couple of things we need to understand, right? One, we need to know who the them is. That's important, right? And, and, and we need to know what a covenant is. So let's work at those. One is, what's a covenant? Well, a biblical, biblical covenant is God pledging himself to us so that we become his people. Right? So, I mean, you, you have a man and a woman that are standing here, right? They make pledges, right? For better, for what? Worse, for richer, what? Poor, and sickness, and what? Health. Have you been faithful to that? Are you? Are you? So we realize, right? Even as humans, we're doing our best. None of us here are above falling and failing with that. We all recognize that. We all know that. We all see that. But now we have one that's making a pledge, one who is actually empowered, who is perfect, who is able, even though we stumble and are weak, and is able to keep this covenant, that we would actually become his. Now look what he says, though. My covenant is with them. And, and for me, context-wise, right, the them has to be those that he's just spoken of back in verse 20 that have turned from transgression, right? Because that's the ones that the Redeemer is coming from. Now the question is, Who's the Redeemer, right? And I've already kind of played my hand out a little bit, but I, I want to show you from the text. And as for me, this is my covenant with them. Verse 21 of Isaiah 59 says the Lord. Notice what he says here. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth. The you, the your here, that the spirit and the word is at work is ultimately the Redeemer. This looks forward. Why? Because Paul in Romans chapter 11, verses 26 and 27, he takes these very words and quotes and cites them and points them to Christ as the Redeemer for the people. And notice, isn't it a beautiful thing that God says, listen, how am I going to bring this covenant about? It's a covenant with us, yes, but it's dependent upon the work of the Son and it's empowered by the Spirit. It's a Trinitarian covenant, right? Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Right? I mean, you, you're hearing this. You're seeing this in the text. But listen, you've ever wondered, how does true revival come? It comes by the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word. We can put it on our sign all day long. We can want it. We can desire it. We can long for it. But true revival 
is a work of God's Spirit by the power of His Word. Why? Because the Word of God always points to Christ and the Spirit will always point to Christ. And notice, if the Spirit and the Word are alive in your life, guess who you always point to? You with me? If the Spirit and the Word are alive in your life, your life is constantly going to be pointing to Christ because that's what the Spirit and the Word do is they always point to Christ. This is true revival. This is what transforms, transforms us from the before sinners separated from God to those who will enter into heavenly shalom. This eternal peace with God forever. Everything hinges on these two verses. Verses 20 and 21 transform everything. Why? Because Christ comes, God in this covenant, His faithfulness does for us what we can never do for ourselves. Back to Lewis's the voyage of the dawn treader. There's a little reap cheap, the little mouse, right? He shares these words. While I can, I sail east in the dawn treader. When she fails me, I paddle east in my coracle. When she sinks, I shall swim east with my four paws. And when I can swim no longer, if I have not reached Aslan's country, a shot over the edge of the world in some vast cataract, I shall sink with my nose to the sunrise. Little Reap Cheap has a determination and a life that is focused upon the kingdom that is to come. And he's willing to leave everything that this world holds as valuable behind. Why? Because as Jesus says, what will it profit you to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Or what can a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, give in exchange for their soul? You can have everything in this world and not have Christ and you have nothing but you can have Christ and have nothing of this world and yet have everything. So I compel you this morning as we finish out this text, this time here, let us look forward to this, this idea of this shalom, right? This word shalom here, this heaven shalom. Shalom is, is used some 239 times in the Old Testament. It's a greeting that the Jewish people would give to one another, right? It's this idea of peace, but it's, it's such a rich word. It's a word of hope, a word of something better coming, right? It indicates safety, completeness, health after this week. Can we say hallelujah? Prosperity. Simply put, shalom is a way of saying there is forever peace coming. Forever peace, permanent peace, perfect peace. And Isaiah 60 and 17 says, this shalom will watch over. It will govern over this new kingdom forever. This peace will never end. So sin separates, but Christ, by this eternal covenant, secures us as coming as our Redeemer. Now, right? I mean, I don't know if you had those moments, right, when... Right, I remember, I think the first one, or maybe one of the first ones I remember was Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, right? And they would say, bus driver, move that what? Move that bus. And they would move the bus. Everybody like, ah! Right, and you'd be crying with them. Come on, some of you were. You're crying with them, right? You'd be crying. And now, like, I mean, I know some of you, right? I mean, you're, you're fixer-uppers, right? And so you're waiting for Chip and Joanna. You can't just wait, right, till the next commercial, right? It ends. And they're going to pull that back, that before picture, and you're going to see that new house, and you're going to cry with them, and you're going to walk in and see their new kitchen, and you're just going to love it. 
Beloved, Isaiah 60 is going to give you your forever home. All that stuff will rot. It will ruin. Many of those folks already sold it anyway. It ain't as good as you think it is. This right here, this is what your soul needs, beloved. Isaiah 60, this is forever. You get jacked up about Extreme Makeover Home Edition or Chip and Joanna and what they're going to do next. This right here ought to be what gets your little tail wagging. This ought to get you fired up and pumped up this morning. This ought to give you peace when you see every headline, when you feel that diagnosis land on you and your family. This is peace because God's brought it and He always brings what's best. So stay with me real quick. I'm going to throw some of these at you. Number one, heaven, this is shalom because the gospel is the truth. Listen to what Isaiah says. Remember, everything has changed because of Christ. Let that, let that, man, this is it. If you're in Christ today, this is it, right? If, if you're in Christ today, right, you, you're like little reap cheap, man. You're just, you're just, you're just pointing, right? You're clawing, you're reaching, but yet you're resting. You're anchored in Christ. You know it's secure, but man, you're, you're after that kingdom. For some of you today, listen, you're rejecting this gospel and you're separated. So I want you to hear today what you will never experience. As long as you remain in rebellion against the Holy God, I want you to hear that. So this is either either this is good news for you or today this strikes terror in your soul because you realize you'll never experience this. Listen to what he says from darkness and all the things that have happened. Listen, to what he says, verse one of Isaiah 60, arise, shine for here's why your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. And listen, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The world gives so much glamour to the atheist, to the agnostic, right? To those who celebrate inclusivity for this view or that view. And it seems like all roads lead home, like all truth is truth. And if you're not careful, that can discourage you. But he says, I want you to know there's going to come a day when the light will rise, when the truth will shine. And it will shine from shore to shore and it will shine forever and ever. And so I want you to realize this is this is shalom. This is this is perfect peace to you. Why? Because this gospel is truth. Our culture may not celebrate it. It may not seem that's the trajectory of our world. It may not seem the trajectory of your family, your friends, your co-workers. But this is truth. And this is what's coming. Right? I mean, it's just a beautiful moment of forever. The gospel is the truth. It's the light and it will shine. Right? As John says in John chapter 1, the light shines in the darkness. and The darkness is what? Not overcome it. This is hope. Listen forever that what you are believing about Christ from this word as the Spirit has confirmed it to you is the truth. Beloved, Shalom to you. Secondly, it's shalom because mercy triumphs over judgment there. Listen to this. Verse 10. Foreigners shall build up your walls, which should strike us immediately. Why? Because all throughout Isaiah, even just Isaiah alone, we've been seeing that foreigners like the Assyrians, the Babylonians, all those are just coming in and conquering the people of God. And finally now, those foreigners are coming. They're going to build up your walls. And their kings shall minister to you. For, here's why, in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I had mercy on you. Right? He says, listen, you guys experienced my wrath. You experienced my judgment. But in my favor, right, I had what? I had that mercy on you. 
I showed you mercy. Now, ultimately, right, we know the ultimate striking of God was this. It was God's will, as Isaiah 53 says, right? I mean, we just read it. It was the will of the Lord to strike His Son and to cause Him to suffer on the cross. Why? Because we all have sheep, like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. The Son was struck. The Son was suffering, experiencing the wrath of God. Why? That you might have peace with God and that you might go free So listen, as you hear this today, know this truth. Shalom to you. Why? Because in heaven, mercy triumphs over judgment. You're experiencing the mercy of God, not getting what your deeds deserve because of what Christ has done. Third, Isaiah 60 shares with us what's coming is shalom because all nations will be there. Listen to this statement, verse 11 of Isaiah 60. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in possession. procession. So again, the gates are always open, right? Day and night they don't have to shut. Listen, notice the wealth of the nations is coming. Even their kings are coming with them, right? He warns the nation that doesn't serve them will perish. Further, verse 13, he talks about, I will make the, the place of my feet glorious. This is good hope, right? I mean, it, this is hope, Of what's coming. John, as he writes the last book of the Bible. What's the last book of the Bible? Revelation, right? Listen to what John says in Revelation 21. See how similar it sounds to Isaiah 60, 11 through 13. By its light will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Hmm. And its gates will what? Never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Then there's this... harrowing truth because if you're being straight today this represents maybe you your family your friends your co-workers those that you've loved and pleaded with but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the lamb's book of life john writes the same truth of what we're hearing here in isaiah chapter 60 can you imagine the worship there those playing that classical music from Vienna walking in, or the steel drums from the Caribbean coming and playing into the God's kingdom. Or can you imagine here now the bagpipes and the kilts as those the Scottish brothers and sisters in Christ come marching in that kingdom playing Amazing Grace. Oh, the beauty of this place. Do you see it? The nations are coming in. But let's be honest, we're not there yet. I was reminded of that just recently when some of our friends were telling us the story of racism they experienced. Just because the color of someone's skin. The hardship that they were going through. The things they had faced. I want us to realize today that that kingdom is coming. And that that way of life, the racism, the hatred, all of these things that are there, it will be no more. And the nations will come in. This is shalom. And for some of you that have experienced that, listen, let that shalom, let it fit, let it land on you. Fourth, it's shalom because, listen to this, everything gets better there. When you look forward to heaven and what's to come, everything just gets better. Listen to what Isaiah says. Instead of, instead of, instead of, instead of. Listen to what he says. Instead of bronze, I'll bring gold. Instead of iron, I'll bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. 
everything there is changed because of what Christ has done. Can you imagine that? Every foolish trade that you've ever made. You ever made any foolish trades? You ever just made like some bad deals? My guess is you have. There's a couple of us that are nodding our heads. But my guess is many of you have. Can you imagine that they're redeemed? Any of you like squandered opportunities? Like you just had like just, oh man, just like great opportunities. And you just like squandered it. Like what? Right? I mean like why would I do that? Like you ever... Every unwise decision, everything that we've squandered, Christ redeems. And He doesn't just give us something good back. He gives us the best. Everything here has changed. Everything is transformed. Revelation 21 says that we'll be walking on streets of what? Gold, right? I don't know. Is everything gold there? Are we going to be living in places of iron? I, I don't know. Here's what I do know. Ephesians 3 says that God is able to give us immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So no matter how great you think it is right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. You, you hadn't seen nothing yet. Shalom to you. Fifth and last. This is shalom because it's forever. Listen to how Isaiah closes out. He says, I will make you majestic forever. Verse 15. Verse 21. You're, they shall possess the land forever. Right? No more losing it. No more sin. No more people coming in and taking over. It's forever. Secondly, look what he says here. Verse 20. It's joy from age to age. Can you imagine never-ending joy? Psalm 16 says that in your presence is fullness of joy, pleasure forever and ever. This is forever joy, permanent joy. You'll never lose it. Look at this. Third, look at all the no mores, he says. Violence will be no more. Can you imagine that? No, that's why the gates are open. There's no more violence there. There's no more war there. There's no more hostility between you and your spouse, between you and your parents, between you and a brother or sister, between you and some former coach. There's no more hostility there between you and someone that wronged you. There's no more fear like of dad walking in and being a tyrant because he's drunk or someone in your family coming in and abusing you in the bedroom as a child. Like there's no more of that forever. I want to be there. Do you? Like, I mean, do you like hear this? Like, I want to go. Like, I mean, that's why Reef Chief has got his nose and he says, even if I have to get my little four little paws and doggy paddle, we're not doggy paddling you to big strokes, right? We're working on that, trying to swim better. We need, man, just to reach for that kingdom today. He says, no more, right? The sun shall be no more your light. I mean, the no mores, I mean, are just there. I mean, and then he just says again to him as he closes here, guys, this is, this is everlasting. Listen, he says, I, I want you to know the Lord will be your everlasting light. He, he, the Lord will be your everlasting light. Where does that leave us? I think it lands us with Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, he says, we are being renewed day by day. Listen to this. For our light and momentary troubles. And before you think, well, Paul don't know nothing. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was left for dead. Paul was... I mean, he was just abandoned by all of his friends. I mean, Paul experienced so much, right? Hungry, nights on the open sea, left for dead. I mean, Paul, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is what? Unseen. For what is seen is indeed temporary. But what is unseen, this shalom, it's what? It's eternal. It's eternal. So I'm going to close just three final questions. One, who's your one? It's time. 
If you don't have a one that you are praying for, that you know that is separated because of their sin and will not experience this heavenly forever shalom, you need to be serious this morning. I want to encourage you as we sing this last song, you're praying, God, help me know who it is. I want to begin praying for them. I want to begin fasting for them. I want to begin sharing the gospel with them. If you already know, then this morning, I want to challenge you to cry out to God for them. God, I want them to experience that. I want them to be there forever, God. Secondly, did you notice how it was the power of the Spirit and the Word that could change the awful condition of the human heart? This next week, Friday and Saturday, in our back parking lot, you have opportunity to encounter people with the gospel. And I realize it's not going to be easy for us. And I realize at times we're afraid and it's going to be awkward and all that. So this morning, before that morning comes, or before that afternoon comes, let's pray in this hour, God, give me strength when that time comes. I know I'll be tempted to to not say anything. God, I know I'll be tempted to be weak. Pray now, asking the Spirit to fill you with strength, that the power of the Spirit, the power of God's Word, would flow forth from you. Maybe some of you know somebody that's struggling. Maybe it's a widow or widower. Maybe it's a senior adult that's aging. Maybe it's a family that's recently lost someone they loved. Or maybe it's been years, but they're still struggling. Maybe it's somebody you know that's rocked by a tough diagnosis at the moment and they're not sure where to go. I want to challenge you. Go and share with them the hope of Isaiah 59 and 60. Go talk to them about the hope of what we have coming. If they're in Christ, let them know this is what's coming. This is where we're headed. Give them that hope, right? Paul says that, listen, we weep, not as the world weeps. He doesn't say we don't weep. We weep. But there's a hope that we have. Beloved, this is your hope today. If you are in Christ, shalom to you. Today, if you are in your sin, you are separated from God, but there is hope because Christ's sin can secure your salvation. Today, will you turn from your sins looking upon Christ for forgiveness? Your eternity rests upon this. Just for a moment, all eyes here. I just want to be certain you hear this. Your eternity rests upon your decision to either accept or reject the Son of God. The Bible says that I'm a watchman on the wall, and if I do not warn you, your blood will be upon my hands. But if I warn you today to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, and you reject it, then it's your own blood. It's your own soul. Today, you have heard the preaching of the gospel. Look to Christ for salvation while you still have breath. Today is the day of salvation. Now is your appointed time. Father, in the strong name of Christ, I hope and pray these things. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.